say, you should try some better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, we've got Calvin. Hello. And coming back after a while, Ryan. Hello! Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. If you could ask the president one super silly question, what would you like to ask? One super silly question. I'm going to steal this one off the top, because I suspect Ryan might might go for it if I don't. Uh, What is the average velocity of an unladen swallow? That that popped into my head, but I was looking for something. That's a good one. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go. Well, then I feel one. like the follow the follow up has to be what is your favorite color, right? Mm, fair. Or what is your quest? I also just thought of uh, how many pancakes does it take to shingle a doghouse? There is a right answer, by the way. Yeah, what is it? Orange because Zero. the rest doesn't have sleeves. <laughs> ah, ah, makes sense. Um. Silly. I, I'd just get aggressive about Area 52, mm-hmm. not 51, and see where they went with that, but... Fair. Alright. Any final uh, any final ones we want to toss out there? No, I can't think of anything. Yeah. Not for this president. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What about Roosevelt? You got one for uh, Theodore Roosevelt? Oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. You're talking Teddy, right? Yeah, Teddy. Good old Teddy. Yeah. Good okay. old found the national parks and uh, shoot a bunch of wild animals, Teddy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'd ask him what it's like to box a freaking gorilla, but other than that, like... Uh, I think I'd ask him why he wants to be on the side of a mountain. Who doesn't, though? Yeah, but he won't get it. Oh, that's true. Wait, when was Rushmore? I don't know. I don't think Teddy was alive. I wouldn't think so either, but I have no idea when... uh, Uh, Authorized in 25. A bit after him. Teddy died in 19. Yep. So so just missed it. Just missed it by that much. Uh, All right, our next segment... Better Buddies Recommend, where you recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Does anybody want to uh, want to start us off? I, I can. Go for it. Uh, I've been digging into the new Chevelle album that dropped this year. I, I used to be a big fan of them back when I was in high school, and the new album is, from start to finish, really fucking good. So, <sighs> You know, I, uh, I really, really hope this isn't an age thing, Ryan, because who is that? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, they were they were uh, a rock group from the early two thousands, and they just released a new album. Oh, there you go. Uh, I'm trying to think of a song that you might know. Um, now, send I the pain below you. the red. Uh, I'm just not good with music in general. <laughs> Never mind. Don't worry, RJ. I don't know who they are either. All right, all right. Cool. My age is showing. I'm 34. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll blame that, and not that we're bad at music. <laughs> Okay, Zoomer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me. I'm not a Zoomer. I'm sorry. Bottom end millennial. <laughs> I'm a border child. Please. We are our own thing. Shoulder generation. We serve no cause and, tr- and take no names. Fair. Uh, and what is it? So they're a rock group from the early thousands. And they just put out their, this album. What's, when was the last album they put out? Six years ago. Seven years ago. Okay. So it's it's been a decent time. Yeah. They're interesting because their music is really like great sounding, but if you try to listen to the lyrics, none of it makes sense. Okay. But it all sounds good. So, I was, so, Calvin, you should try listening to this because, as you said before on the show, you often don't listen to the lyrics. Fair, yeah. Cool. And you said it's a rock group like just general rock yeah they're they're not too heavy they're not too soft they're not progressive but they're uh but they're there they're they're there they're they're good solid rock cool calvin do you have one 
Well, now now I feel like I have to follow it up with uh, a music one, a recommendation as well. Uh, but instead of a uh, rock album, uh, like a rock band, I'm going to have to recommend a post-rock band. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, I'm going to recommend uh, We Lost the Sea. It's, um, it's a post-rock band that I love album uh departure songs i th- i mentioned this to you rj yeah but do, uh do you know what do you guys have ever listened to post-rock or know much about it not too much not not specifically okay so i don't know i'd have to look up here actually like what characterizes post-rock um but i know it tends to be very kind of thematic and um there's there can be words but a lot of times if there's words it's just kind of some vocals um in the background or um in departure song in the departure songs album they do sample some like stuff um because uh, the departure songs album is basically about um it's all about stories of people who like made an ultimate sacrifice of some time. Um, so uh, like there's four or five, there's like five songs I want to say. Um, and the, another thing with post-rock songs is a lot of times they'll be like, just like 10 minute long songs. Um, but uh, like, so the first song in Departure Songs is about, is uh, a gallant gentleman which is uh, uh, based off of the story of this guy on the Terra Nova expedition to reach the South Pole. Um, It was British. Yeah, it was a British expedition. Um, They were trying to be the first to reach the South Pole. They missed it by two weeks to a Norwegian group that beat them to it. Uh, And then on the way back, they were running low on supplies and uh, weather was really beating him down. And this one guy got really bad frostbite and was really slowing down the party. And um, they're getting close to making it uh, um, back to where uh, they'll be, they could be rescued by other groups. And a blizzard comes in and they're, camped for the night and he just kind of stands up and he's like i'll be right back and then just wanders off into the storm so that they don't have to make the decision to leave him behind uh and then there's a couple other songs on there about uh the fireman that dove into the water in chernobyl to stop the reactor leak um trying so to think one the, about uh, it there was that yeah, one with the, the deep divers yeah there was one about this diver who um set a bunch of records is david shaw he set up he set a bunch of records for some of the deepest dives on like a regulator um and there was another guy that had just like was also in that kind of scene of like these like ridiculously d- deep dives and they were diving and he was diving in uh not david shaw the other guy was diving in south africa and ended up dying at the bottom of this like 800 foot sinkhole that's just filled with water um and david shot went down to retrieve his body ended up getting tangled up in lines and dying as well but then two days later because he went down to get this guy's body both their bodies surfaced um so they were able to recover them and then the last song is about uh it's a two-parter about the challenger and that one samples like uh audio from uh reagan's speech to oh, wow. the nation and it's and then also from like uh audio from mission control and like the crowd as they're watching and i don't know i really like that album it's it's awesome to just listen to because each song well it doesn't it they don't like connect they tend to kind of flow together because that's how a lot of post-rock is again with that like very thematic and just like instrumental music it's great i love it I'm listening to Bogateria right now, and like, yeah, that's it's really good. I'm gonna have to add this to listen to later. Yeah. Was, so I guess. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna ask, what was the album and artist again? The album is Departure Songs by the band We Lost the Sea. That's the other thing about post rock 
is that their band names and albums and songs tend to be just have awesome names. Like there's another post rock band I listen to that's called Paint the Sky Red, and they have an album called There Is a Tomorrow You Don't Know. Um, there's another band called uh, like Explosions in the Sky or uh, God Is an Astronaut. It's great names. The the names are great. As someone who only learned about them the other day, I want to uh, add this in for our listeners. Post-rock does not mean post-mortem rock, even though a lot of these <laughs> albums oh, and band names yeah, do sound did, up yeah, like they're about death. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, um, here, I'll read you the like intro on uh, Wikipedia. It says, it's a form of experimental rock characterized by a focus on exploring textures in timber over traditional rock songs, structures, chords, or riffs. So they're typically instrumental and combined rock instrumental with instrumentation with electronics. So yeah, it's more of that, uh, like I was saying, very thematic and it can sound like um, movie soundtracks at time, uh, but it tends to have more of a, I don't know, there's, there tends to be more something to it than just like soundtrack music. So yeah, it's good. I like it. Based based on what I understand, I'd almost say the difference is like s- the point of the movie soundtrack is to go unnoticed. It's yes. supposed to immerse you more, whereas these you're listening to them for enjoyment, so you're supposed to notice it. So it's not going to do as many of like musical uh, tricks, mm-hmm. I guess, to go under your radar. Cool. Uh, my recommendation this week is uh, Marvel and Hulu's Modoc series. Yeah, finished that up the other day, uh, just in time for this. And who boy, if you like robot chicken, it's good. Yeah. Um, and if you like, if you like the robot chicken animation style, some of the s- same comedy stylings, and the uh, aspect of hey, we're taking superheroes and doing a new kind of genre thing with them, and pulling pulling back the curtain on a really dorky dumb idea of a character um because modok is supposed to be a genius but is a giant head with very little arms and legs and is generally ineffective at most things yeah yeah (laughs) um i think maybe one of my favorite side characters is gary the uh aim agent aim minion who Loses his arm in the first episode because uh, he was just in the way. He was just getting a cup of coffee. He has a wild journey as a character through episode <laughs> one to the last one. Like, honestly, yeah. you learned so much about Gary. <laughs> and you learned most of it in the last, like, two episodes. Last, like, ep- not even two episodes. Last, like, episode, because there's ten episodes. You learn most of it in, like, eight and nine. Yeah. Um. I also really liked a lot of the inclusions they did of like i think probably my favorite is arcade showed up halfway through the series i i had flashbacks to x-men arcade's revenge on sega genesis the minute he popped in there so uh see and i just love arcade as a character because he for whatever reason i don't know why but he's an x-men villain like they made him for as an x-men villain way back early when the uh rebooted x-men series came out with giant says x-men one they introduced nightcrawler and colossus and storm and the international x-men team and a few issues in they introduced arcade the villain who sets up death arcades (laughs) and there's no reason he should be stuck with the x-men he's not a mutant he feels like a batman villain out of space and time (laughs) yeah and like he's gone after spider-man like once or twice but for whatever reason, he is a quote-unquote X-Men villain. So, uh, his showing up was really cool. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know, it's like that, how much do I want to spoil? Because we're technically far enough out? Like, we might technically be far enough out? Um, but I'm, I'm hoping they do a season two. I don't recall hearing if they will or not. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully they'll do a season two. Uh, what did you guys think of it? Because I know both... I know, Calvin, you've seen at least enough of it. Uh, I saw the first five or six episodes. I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, I think it didn't hold me as much because I don't... Uh, I'm not as huge of a fan in Marvel. 
So I think some of those small Easter eggy stuff just were all over my head. Um, but from that more outside perspective of it, I, I would agree with what you're saying. If you like robot chicken, uh, then that's as much as you need to know to really have a good time and enjoy it. And I like anything that takes the piss out of superheroes like the boys, Venture Brothers, anything that takes the minutia of what that world would actually be like and then kind of shows that. I For some reason, I fucking love it. <laughs> How'd you? Uh, I'm assuming you like Texas the Living Corporation? I really did, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know their name was Texas. Uh, with an H, Hex. Like a hexagon. Oh, Hexes. There's a Vestagon. Te- oh, it is a hexagon? Yeah. I can hear Calvin slightly fuming. What? Nothing. Uh, yeah, it's Hexus. Hexus, like a hexagon. Hexus. See, I thought you said Texas. I was I mean, confused. And also, I thought Texas it was funny. Is, Texas is kind of a hexagon. The non Euclidean hexagon. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> One, I mean, two, three, four, five. Okay, they got seven sides. It's close enough. Um, but yeah. Uh, I also really liked the guest actors they brought in to do some of the voices, like John Hamm as Iron Man. Nathan Fillion as Wonder Man? Yes. Um, also, uh, oh, shoot, what's his name? It's on the tip of my tongue. Plays John Ralphie of Samperstein in Parks and Recreation. Yeah! As Lou, oh, God, I can't plays think... the kid. I only know him as John Ralphie, but I love John Ralphie. Also. Uh, but yeah, he plays the son, and then... Melissa Fumero, I think is her name, plays the daughter, and she's from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Patton Oswalt is Modoc and the writer, and, like, Patton has the love for superheroes you need, but also the recognition of this is dumb. Like, he's, he's that guy who loves it to tears, but also is willing to be like, this is, this is so, like, this guy's totally ineffective. How does he comb his hair? How does Modoc with these short little arms that can't reach his own face? How does he comb his hair? But yeah, uh, my rec- that's my recommendation is Modoc. Good recommendations all around, even if some of us didn't know what they were. Um, our next segment, unless there's any tangents in the news today that we want to go on, no, I didn't think there would be, but I figured I'd better check just in case I missed something, because. That's that's mostly how I get my news is checking with other people I know. Yeah, yeah. If... Nothing, nothing. I would rant about on this podcast. So. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Well, then our next segment is how to be a better buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. Um, this might be a little bit of a tough question for you, Ryan. This first one, but which books are a must-read for guys going into their twenties? With the further details, it can be fiction or nonfiction as long as it is entertaining. On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Why? I'm only halfway through it, uh, but I'm loving it. Uh, And I do think a lot of people don't necessarily take the right meanings from it, Mm. or they draw conclusions that that I definitely wouldn't necessarily agree with, because uh, a lot of people hold up Kerouac um, as this icon of the beat generation, and he definitely is. Um, but I think a lot of people misunderstand that lifestyle. Um, how much do you guys know about the Kerouac or his book On the Road? Not, Not a ton. Much. Okay. Um, do you guys know much about the beat generation? Not much either. <laughs> beat or beatnik? Okay. That's the same thing. Ah, then I know they were the beatniks, and that they yeah, were the derided be- by the army. Um, yeah, or at least well, army-like figures in various pop culture. Yeah, uh, technically Kerouac served in World War II. Um, it's, it's what actually funds his ability to be this beatnik is because he draws uh, army pension and oh, goes to go. school on the GI Bill. Uh, but our Navy, I think he's like a, he, he wasn't like, in he was like a merchant marine or something like that. So like he was in the service, but he wasn't like, on the front lines or anything anyways um yeah so basically uh on the road is Kerouac's almost literal ramblings um semi-fictionalized also based off of like real life events that he went through 
Um, he, everybody in the book has a equivalent person in real life. Um, some of it is like exaggerated as to events that happens. Um, however, a lot of it supposedly did happen. Um, and yeah, it's about Kerouac traveling around hitchhiking out West, um, to visit, to like, just, uh, it's about him like going and seeing friends and trying to find himself in life. And that's what a lot of people draw from this book, which I think is somewhat valid is they're like, Oh, you just go to the, it's, um, this is where a lot of the fantasy and the idealistic, um, uh, beliefs of like the hitchhiking and going out west and just hitting open the road with no like cares and all this stuff a lot of that draws from the beat generation um but that's and they kind of a lot of people consider this to be like a kind of bible of like stuff like that and it, and i don't think that's the proper message to take from it because mm-hmm. carol like and his friends they live a rough life. It's not good. They're depressed for almost all of the book. They're constantly drinking or doing drugs, having to steal to survive and pay for gas. And they live a rough life. Um, I think there's some really good messages in there about finding yourself and about not necessarily holding to societal norms because there are some stuff that they're breaking societal norms, but I think it's it that's that it throws in that question of well what are these norms actually good for and who are they helping but overall I, I i think people hold it up as uh i don't know it's interesting and i think people um, look at it kind especially, of those rose-colored glasses of like yeah oh, look very at, much this is the guide of how to hit the road and be yourself and break society's shackles without really like also accepting like hey this is going to be a really rough ride and you need to be prepared that this might suck sometimes or all the time find yourself because the first half of the book he does a whole trip out to california and he's like i'm gonna find myself it's gonna be great i'm gonna meet up with this one friend he meets him for like a week in denver and then for the rest of the year they never see each other again and it kind of his trip ends with him like basically abandoning his like lover in california wow wow So it's like, it's not great, (laughs) but I do think there are a lot of life lessons that can be drawn and it's somewhat has that coming of age aspect that I think maybe more mid twenties, it should be read. I think if you're young twenties, you might go, it'd be very easy to fall down those paths of taking the wrong message. Um, because it does paint a somewhat romanticized idea of this lifestyle. If you just read like if you're not actually like paying close attention but i do think it's a book that everyone should read especially while they're younger cool uh i'm gonna recommend two first is uh must read for guys going into their 20s early 20s mid 20s whatever how to win friends and influence people uh-huh. uh it's, uh now i'm forgetting the author uh it's rockefeller yes no yeah yes I know, for yeah. sure. Um, I'll look it. I'll look it up. How to Win Friends and Influence People is it's an old book. It's based Carnegie. on Sorry. Carnegie. There we go. Dale Carnegie. I knew it was one of those. I knew yeah. it was one of those it's, names. You know, one of the robber barons. Whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but part of how they got to be robber barons was they knew how to wheel and deal with people, and it gives some really good advice about like, hey, people don't care what like if you want people to be interested in you be interested in them and he there's a story about how he was at a party or something and he was trying to connect with this person he didn't know but it seemed like they were really excited to talk about their garden so he just kept asking questions about their gardening and like by the end of the night they thought he was their best friend because he learned a little something about gardening and he let them talk about what they cared about um another big one was another big one that i remember in the book was uh, a story about how there was a, uh, like some sort of merger or something with trains and, uh, but there was a disagreement that was coming up and he was like, you know what? Tell you what, we're going to put your name on the sign. It's going to be, it's going to have your name on it uh, or put your name first or whatever. But it was one of those small things that didn't really matter, but it made the other f- person feel like they were being important, feel like they were being heard 
and feel like they're being valued in this cooperation. Um, so it's a great one. I need to go back and reread it because I haven't read it in a few years, but I think it's a great one to, as you're becoming a young adult and having to interact with more and different people, to be like, hey, a lot of communication is not putting yourself first in the situation, if that makes sense. Good, right? Yeah, no. That's, yeah, no. That's good, good advice. My second also, recommendation. I, oh, wait, go ahead. Oh, uh, just real quick. I actually was on the Wikipedia page. Not the Carnegie, the robber baron. Different really? Carnegie. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Did not know that. Yeah, I, I kind of assumed it was the same I, guy. Too, yeah, I always but... saw Carnegie. I'm like, I'm not reading that. <laughs> um, well, now you should. Uh, yeah. The other book I want to recommend is a <laughs> a Pirate Looks at 50, a autobiography of Jimmy Buffett from 1990, I want to say six or seven. <laughs> um, <laughs> the reason I recommend it is because I picked it up last year for my birthday. Um, I picked it up in 2020 for my birthday because I was at a used bookstore and I was like, oh, I like some of his music. This would be interesting to see what he's got to say at the age of 50 compared to his being 70 right now. And I found it really interesting because it's... Part of the story is him... Part of the story... Part of the book is him talking about a trip he took down to Central America and, like, past Cuba and, like, those islands and stuff. And... It was a Christmas time vacation as part of his birthday. Because his birthday is basically Christmas. And it was kind of like how they traveled each place and how it changed from its past to its present. And what was kind of similar. But it also integrated some stories from his own like childhood and his life and his own history. Uh, one of the in opening, one of the in early chapters on is when he was first one of his times flying a seaplane, where he nearly died crashing it into the ocean, in uh, the upper east coast. He wow. uh, he misjudged a wave. Because for, like, seaplane takeoffs, you got to be really careful about, like, waves and not getting caught and stuff. He took off. He was about to take off, misjudged, overcorrected something, and a wave caught his wing and pulled it down. And the only reason he managed to get out of it alive was because he'd had some basic naval training. Um, like, specifically, bubbles go up. Follow the bubbles up. Um, and so I think... It was really it was really interesting for me to read as a like younger person of like hey yeah Jimmy Buffett is stupid rich and can afford to go buy seaplanes and crash them and things but he's got kind of a point about like you need to go do things and have adventures and be places because you can do those things later but if you don't seize opportunities as you find them available it's better to seize them and take the risks than not seize them and have done absolutely nothing. I'll, and uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I was just going to add one more thing in about like, it's also a pretty good warning of like, Hey, you're not immortal. Look at all the shit that happened to this famous person where he nearly died, got shot, drowned, etc., etc. I'll piggyback off the, uh, the interesting life advice and recommend paddle your own canoe by Nick Offerman. Oh, is that good? Oh, it's really good. He, he talks about, first, like, he is a lot of what his characters are, except he's also a bumbling hippie. <laughs> uh, and him, like, doing kabuki theater in his early years and stuff like that. <laughs> what? But he was always a carpenter. He was always a carpenter the whole time. He wanted to be an actor, but he, he talks about, like, balancing, like, have a plan B and a plan A you're pursuing at the same gusto, but let plan B be something that can hold you up while you're doing plan A kind of thing. Dream big. Go for the big dream, but make sure you can stand on your own two feet so you don't just crash and burn. And how where a lot of his friends would go out, like they moved to California and they'd do nothing but try to live the dream of being an actor and they would crash and burn and miss miss all the stuff and they'd go broke and then end up having to leave or become homeless. And he's like, I was a carpenter. I was fine. Like <laughs> I, had I had jobs left and right and I was doing auditions on the weekend. If I didn't get a job, well, just means I could pick up another contract on Monday. <laughs> He was following the uh, the Ford method. Yeah. Build, carpentry, yeah, he, uh, uh, build cabinets for some famous director and get hired. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, uh, he, he, 
He has a pretty interesting beginning of his life. He has some cool musings, very rustic kind of patois to his writing too, which is really interesting. Uh, no, it's just an interesting read. It's it's good about like how to temper your expectations of how things are going to go and how they actually go and how to not let it destroy you when it doesn't go your way. Uh, and for a second book, I mean, I reached out to a bunch of female friends before the recording here and they'd said almost unanimously a up-to-date human sexuality book because most guys moving to their 20s do not understand basic anatomy. So get a little <laughs> heads up. Yes, yeah. That's a good call. Good call. Definitely a good call. I made I made sure I had uh, uh, co uh, confirmation on that. So. <laughs> Smart move. Uh, so yeah, any guys going into their 20s, read those five books. You'll be set. You never need to read another book for the rest of your life until you're going into your 30s. Our next question what would you do if you have last stage terminal disease? Would you spend your entire savings for treatment or would you just spend it on your bucket list? How, like, how certain is this terminal? Is it like 100% certain or are we like, oh, it's a 60% chance or like, I'm going to go late stage terminal, meaning like 90% chance you're going to die mm -hmm. or worse. Do we have a time frame? Uh, let's go with a year. Oh, a bucket list, 100%. Yeah, but definitely bucket list. I guess the hardest part of that is, like, having enough savings to be able to live out that year. Yeah. That'd so live be... best, die younger. <laughs> <laughs> if you do there enough you yeah, cocaine. I mean, just, just progressively get more and more dangerous things on your bucket list so that the the odds of you actually making it through that year just become less and less and then you yeah. just whatever happens you you just won't run out of money then well yeah. that was uh i mean i i'm a cancer survivor and i can tell you if it got that bad i bucket list 100 percent. isn't that basically the ending to the house tv show wilson's terminal Based. and house had faked his death so they ride off on motorcycles yeah wait i thought he overdosed at the end <laughs> okay it's been a no. while <laughs> No, he, he the, fakes, I guess, yeah. sorry, spoilers to anybody. <laughs> yeah, spoilers for this, like, super old TV show. Yeah. Relatively old if TV I, show. Correct me if I'm wrong, RJ, but he, like, he does fake an overdose in with, like, a druggie or something in this, like, crack house, and then it burns down. Yep. And you think he's dead, and then when Wilson is giving his eulogy, House texts him to, like, shut, shut up. up. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because I think part of it was like they were trying to find him over the course of like two episodes and he was having hallucinations of all these people who died. Mm. I remember that. I thought he was having an overdose or an aneurysm or something. Uh, Yeah, nearly did. And the thing burns down and like Calvin said, he, Wilson's giving the eulogy and gets a text to shut up and knock it off. And they meet up afterwards and it's like, yeah, you're terminal. I'm dead. Let's just hit the road. But that's you making the point of, you guys making the point of like, having enough to live throughout that year made me think of that and hang on a minute house is dead but he's not dead he has to continue living once wilson dies what is he gonna do after that yeah but uh yeah i'm with you guys spend it on the bucket list although i can't complete my bucket list as it stands but uh, i could still go to stanley's grave there you go yeah uh, hell, you're dying, man. Steal Stanley's grave. Do something big. Go far. Fair. What are you gonna do? Go to jail for six months? Like, what? Okay. Last Who cares? thing they on have the bucket list. Like... Last thing on the bucket list is they dig up Steve Stanley's grave. You take enough drugs to heal yourself, and they bury you on top of him. No, I feel like you just add a new thing to your bucket list of escape from prison. <laughs> sure. Or do that. Petty things from important places. <laughs> <laughs> Just start stealing Oscars. There you go. Just get a little collection going. <laughs> One from everybody. Our next question. What are some hobbies slash things you can do when you come home exhausted from work every day? With the further details, I love my job, by the way. It's just that it can be very exhausting and I don't feel like doing much when coming home, even though I want to. Alcoholism. Um, what was that? There you go. <laughs> I, I missed it. Al alcoholism. Oh, um, yeah, that's a hobby, technically. 
if you pick out your alcohols purposefully and like are like this evening I'm going to sample this alcohol and then finish the bottle just happenstance yeah sure do it I started have a sixty dollar do I have a sixty dollar bottle of wormwood and lotus infused gin yes I do <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing sampling it just so happens my samples are very large yeah um I was gonna recommend movies and not the like oh let's just put on streaming and sit there on the couch like whatever happens happens but like make a list of movies you specifically want to see or rewatch and intentionally the criterion collection yeah, yeah there you go <laughs> the criterion collection or like if you like i a while back did a marvel marathon where i went back through the entire mcu and it was very purposeful and because it was purposeful purposeful it felt like i was doing something more than just like being a couch potato those are the top 100 movies on imdb mm-hmm. yeah uh pick french avant-garde as a genre and then learn just enough to impress people at bars or at least have them find you annoying there you go yeah I don't, I don't, it, the only people who are going to be impressed by it are the people who learned the same amount but no rj you really have to watch these avant-garde films you haven't lived until you've seen jean zelenze <laughs> i'll put it to the bucket list see boom now you're more impressive. <laughs> um, now, you, now you have control of someone's life and death, because when they're dying, they're going to have to watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, I can't die yet. I haven't seen this movie. Is there anything else on my bucket list yet? Um, another easy hobby. Gardening. Or, or like, potted plants. Because that's one of those things you can set up, and you just have to water them. Yeah. And you enjoy their presence. Maybe a little bit of pruning and weeding, but if you keep it small, yeah, really easy. Or fish. Uh, Ooh, fish. If you can derive enjoyment from it, cooking, because I know people who come home from work completely exhausted and they just eat bottom barrel stuff. If I'm miserable and super exhausted, I'll sit there and cook just something as fancy as I can make it because it gets my mind off what I'm doing. I don't have to move around that much. I got to move my hand to stir or cut. And then you get a really good meal at the end after a shitty day. Like it's if you can derive enjoyment from the process, it's a great hobby to have. That's a good point. I like that one. Did Any I make stuffed trout last night? Yes. What? <laughs> so did I make stuffed rainbow trout last night? Yes. Was I tired? Oh yeah. <laughs> day was that bad, huh? Yeah. Deadlines. <laughs> well. Um, speaking of rough days, that's our next question. What do you do on one of those days? Uh, further details, whenever you have a rough day, whether it be feeling lonely, feeling bad about your appearance, a bad day at work, bad day with your SO, or perhaps all of the above, what do you do to lighten your mood? Recently, I haven't been able to just look past it, and it's bumming me out, to be honest. Uh, cooking. I'm going to steal Ryan's from the last question. Go cook. Yeah. Go for yeah. a bike ride. Oh. I find being out and doing something always helps me the most, and... Bike rides, I find, are the easiest because you can take it easy and you don't have to, like, you can get out and go a good distance without necessarily having to put in, like, a ton of effort. Nice. I like that. I I guess falling back on my alcoholism joke, but being serious. (laughs) Ever since I've been 21, I have had a bar where I know everyone who works there. Just, I don't spend every day there, but I'm there enough that people will look at me and be like, oh, it's Ryan. So have somewhere familiar that you can go that's maybe even a place of business. Like, just somewhere somewhere to change of scenery. Somewhere that, you know, you can say, I'm having a bad day, and they'll put a free beer in front of you. Like, something like that. Yeah. Some, somewhere familiar that's not home wallowing in it. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with music. Put on whatever music you need, whatever it is you want. Just some people listen to post-rock like Calvin recommended earlier, where it's mostly just the sound and they just relax. Some people like to listen post- to those sad boy post-rock hours. Post-rock can be a little post-rock can be a little depressing though, if you're already in a depressing <laughs> mood. It but, can get very emotional, which can be good or bad. It can be good or bad. Some people, when they're feeling down, they like to put on that down music because it fits their tone. Like with Sad Boy Hours, where you guys yeah. put on just the saddest, saddest songs you can find. I, um, I mean, I do like to wander around in the evening with 
listening to post rock it can be very melancholy but in like that kind of not horrible way so yeah or listen to this show and wonder how far your life has fallen that you're on episode 90 like two of an amateur hour podcast hey if you think it's that bad try starring on one of these then then you know your life is not Oof. <laughs> he's not wrong folks <laughs> um get a dog every time you got a bad day get a dog <laughs> just get you a new dog a lot of dogs by the end of it but you'll have plenty of dogs they'll take care of themselves they're dogs sea monkeys actually every time you get have a bad day get a sea monkey they're tiny don't take up much space you can just get tons of sea monkeys uh yeah or just go to bed wake up the next morning that day's over it's a new day this day doesn't have to be bad I mean, the default mode for having one of those days is surf the same five websites over and over again. Like, when you finish one, you move on to the next, and somehow you keep keep going the same route. Uh, so break that habit. As long yeah. as you break that habit, uh, if you're if you're too miserable to sleep, like, start cleaning your house until your body's like, I'm, we're, just, we're just going to bed. I'm not going to stay up and do this. Go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Try, try to get forward momentum on anything, even if it's not that big. Just something small. Uh, as the person who makes this show, I can actually attest to that. There have been a number of number of times in the last two years where I've been like, this week is killing me. Today sucked. It's just awful. It's garbage. And I'll come onto this show and I'll do the show and I'll have the work to do of like editing and preparation and all that stuff. But once I get to the end of it and everybody's off and I close all the uh, close all the applications down, I'm like. You know what? I'm I'm kind of feeling better. So yeah, forward momentum and uh, doing something are good good cures. In a in a semi serious uh, response, I have a friend who's a pretty talented graphic artist and cartoonist. He he does a little bit of illustration work here and there, does commissions. When he's having a bad day, he finds and I'm not I'm trying not to give away any specific information to blow a spot up. Uh, he makes rule 34 art in very specific fandoms that aren't expecting it and of, of the worst things ever nice so he'll he'll find like a harry potter thing and then do something absolutely horrifying <laughs> drop it on that and just watch everyone blow up and then he feels better <laughs> <laughs> because he just dropped a bomb in their thing you know i i guarantee there is some sonic foot stuff out there that is from him that he drops specifically to make someone else's day with more miserable so <laughs> nice so schadenfreude <laughs> artistic schadenfreude yeah there, there's an option for you if your day is bad make someone else's worse you'll feel not, better not about directly yourself. not directly just just in the orbit yeah be, be in that um our next question also kind of tied into this as well um cause if you're having one of the days sometimes it's just you just ask for help about it and our next question is, how do you guys ask for help? With the further details of, I'm a 26 male, and of the mentality that since this is my problem, I should be the one to deal with it alone. But it's getting harder these days, especially since my previous relationship just ended earlier this month. I really don't have anyone I could open to anymore. How do you talk about your problems? I'm now realizing that, based on what I know of all three of us... Um, We're all sin eaters, <laughs> and we'd like to not make a problem for anyone else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we... Uh... <laughs> Um, alright, here's what you do. If you need help, what you do is you realize that you don't have enough people to move the piano. And there's a dude down the block who you kind of know, because <laughs> you kind of, like, tangentially know some of the same people. And you call him up and you're like, hey, we need an extra set of hands halfway down the block. Can you run down here and give us a hand? And he'll come help you move the piano in the rain... And once it's inside after that, you guys know each other and you're all good to just hang out for the rest of your lives. I have a feeling there's a story here involving the other guests on the show, but I can't. It's not actually around. not me. I just really? know of nope. said story. Uh, it was a story back in high school. There was genuinely this dude who was, uh, he listened to the show a little bit. I don't know if he still does, but um, he lived down the block from me. And there was one time where my family got a piano. It wasn't a huge piano, not like a grand or anything. Just one of those like upright pianos. And it was me, my dad, and this other guy who came to help us out. And we needed, like, that just one extra set of hands. 
and it was like it was late fall early spring one of those two times it has been raining and sprinkling so the ground was slick and I was like, all right, I don't know anybody else who's available, but this guy lives down the block. I'm going to text him and see what it, see what's up. So I messaged him. I was like, hey, can you come help us move this piano? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he walked on over, and we moved the piano. But after that, it was like, all right, yeah, we're cool now. Um, Honestly, I, I, I get the fear that this person has uh, for people who don't experience it like this. Because uh, there's almost a fear when you're, when you're the one who's always the one people are like asking for help and you give it because that's what you do her you have problems that's why you give it that's that's why we do it we have problems so you give uh, the help because it's what you're supposed to do exactly uh it, the, the fear is if you ask for it you're gonna realize oh i do all this for everyone else and i realize they're not gonna give it back and that's kind of like a leap of faith kind of thing i just just do it exactly how everyone else fucking does does it like like just accept it, move on, um, and if you can't, drop those people. Because uh, I, I, I'm always a fan of, if you're willing to cross a river for someone who won't cross the stream for you, cut them the fuck out. Like, you and I have two very different fears on this. Oh, I am terrified. <laughs> See, I'm I'm the person who, it's my job to hold up the mountain, so I have to hold the mountain. Uh, I'm Hodor. I will hold the door. And I have to hold the door, and I'll hold the door. And come hell or high water, I'm holding that door because I'm supposed to hold the door. So I don't want to... I, I'm reluctant to ask for help, because if I ask for help, I didn't do my job. And my job was to hold the door. And then I get overwhelmed by the snow zombies, and everything falls apart anyways, when I really should have just asked for help, but... Well, everyone gets overwhelmed by the snow zombies, so... <laughs> The stupid kid in the wheelchair didn't, and that's not fair. <laughs> The dragon goddamn did. Like, <laughs> fuck you, season eight. Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, suck it up. Uh, just suck it up and ask. I need help. Honestly, just, hey, can you help me? There you go. Uh, honestly, uh, putting it exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna have to change the narrative in your head if you're gonna want to. And you, if you're asking how you can, you fucking need to. So just do whatever narrative you need in your head to just get over that hill. Five words. It's only five words. Hey, can you help me? If you can just get past those five words, you're good. Or, or uh, things suck, can we talk? That's another uh, good five-worder. Yeah, that's a good five-worder. Five words are all it takes to change your uh, situation. And uh, saying fuck five times doesn't count. I, I beg to differ, but... <laughs> uh, Calvin, any dissenting or uh, additional input you want to give? No. All right, just figured I'd check. Our last question this week, and this is this might be one of the most important ones we can shed light on. Uh, hey, men, why does it seem like all the hugs you give other men are so violent? With the further details, like, I've noticed that most men, when hugging other men, usually slam their chests together and then do the back smacks. Why? Sincerely, a confused woman who likes gentle hugs. I, I know the backs. There's a there's a science to the back smacks. There's a science to the back smacks. Yep, it's three pats. You hug someone and go bap bap bap, and that stands for I'm not gay. That's that's the three <laughs> pats. <laughs> no, it's it's big, just chest bump, and then pat 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 at each other at the same time. You all have that hug. You know that hug. <laughs> oh, yeah. The it's this is. This is like the thing with the, the, the tongs and the clicks, RJ. I didn't realize it until he said it. But yeah, it is the three taps, isn't it? Oh, I... Oh, no. Am I blunt? I told you, there's a science. <laughs> no, the problem is I usually do two. Not gay. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, because... See, I'll even do the like... And I, I, I realized this. When I hugged my gay friend... He did one pat and then rubbed my back and I did the three pats. And then we both stopped. We're like, wait, is that a is that a straight gay thing? We just talked about it. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, I think I must be the exception to the rule. Cause it for me it changes by person. And I'll like I'm I, gonna assume when it's it guy to guy is what I'm talking about specifically. Yeah, no, guy to guy. Like there really? cause like I don't hug Kelvin because he doesn't like hugs. Mm -hmm. Well, I, well, I mean, one that's different. If you're going to hug somebody, and 
I, I can think of, like... I, right now, I can think of, like, three different people who I would hug three different ways. Hmm. And the number of backpacks backpats I'm giving does not correlate to your theory. Okay. Well, you're an outlier. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm the, I'm the exception. Okay, be, to be the weird one. Yeah. Um... Also, I like, mean, there's also the jump tackle. There's the jump tackle, mm, too, but that's a different Well, see, here, and I was going into this thinking, like, I kind of just like that firm reaffirming of, like, we're here, we're together, we can feel each other, it, we're solid. Does that make sense? You don't want to go... Because I, I think what she's talking about is especially, like, a woman who likes gentle hugs. You don't want to gentle hug your friend too much. Like if it's, it's a male thing, like yeah, it's it's not, it's not even like like an aversive homophobia thing. It's just it, it comes down to also like how you just generally interact with your guys. You, you're kind of a little rough with each other at all times, so why should a hug be any different? Yeah, you're, you're not. You don't have to be like overtly violent. Like you're not. You're not uh, uh, baboons beating the crap out <laughs> of each other. But sometimes you are. <laughs> well, and even like the gentlest hugs I've given guys have never really been considered like gentle i'd almost equate it to a firm handshake of like we go in yeah we hug one like firm solid squeeze to show that we have made contact in the hug and recognize that we are hugging and then we back off yeah yeah and uh if you're if you like gentle hugs like why the why are you so concerned because it's guys hugging other guys unless they're going up to you and really like whacking your back when they yeah, go to hug you and that, doing predator that, handshakes, like that means you're in the friend zone. And if you're dating this guy, uh, he's he's has some issues. If he can't if he can't slow down for you, he's he's very low on the Kinsey scale. <laughs> Let's put or it like other uh, one other potential is you need to just fucking tell him you like gentle hugs. Yeah, that too. But uh, if if you like a guy and he gives you a hard hug, or if he's you know he's your guy friend and he's giving you a hard hug, it's just because. He's showing the delineation between showing affection as a friend and showing affection as something more. Yes. There we go. That's some good advice. We get some really good advice this week. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of you, Calvin. And I'm proud of you, Ryan. Thank you. Pat, pat, pat. Pat, pat, pat. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for joining this week. Always a pleasure. Glad to have you back, Ryan. Thank you very much. Glad to have you back too, Calvin, but I say that to you every week, so. Yeah. Um, thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. It's on iTunes and Spotify. We're on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If somehow you've realized we're not where you get your podcasts, let us know. I don't know how you'd know that, but figure it out. <laughs> you can let us know on Facebook, Better Buddies, where we have our meme Mondays and post the episode question of the week uh we're also on twitter at better budcast use the hashtag better buddies when you tweet about the show or our gmail better at gmail.com send us your fan art hate art fan mail hate mail declarations of love and or war uh if you have an icebreaker you want us to answer if you need advice from us for some reason you can send that question in too and last, but not least, be a better buddy.